This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast, a podcast with a worldwide listenership that explores the broad world of preservation from every angle, from drones to mudlarking and everything in between. Now, let's get preserving. This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast. Today, we're excited to be joined by an artist, Diego Blyfus Prados, and we're going to be talking all about his reflection of sort of the ephemeral in Chicago's historic neighborhoods from bus stops and and beyond. And we're going to talk about how he got into this and, and the, really the fascinating way of using art as a preservation tool. So before we get into all that, though, it's great to have you on here coming to us from uh, the Windy City. So where'd you grow up? What led you to painting and, you know, your your life in art? And, you know, where do you work? What, how does this all come together? I think people would be fascinated in your story. Yeah, thank you so much for, for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, like you said, I'm in Chicago and I, I grew up in Chicago. I was born here. Uh, I grew up on the north side and in the neighborhoods of Lakeview and Lincoln Park. Uh, and I think I got into art from an early age, just in that my family was was very supportive of of it. My older brother is a great painter and, and a really good drawer. My little brother is in, in literature and publishing. So uh, I think just my family was was interested and kind of encouraged us to, to practice art. Um, but I always did it as kind of a hobby, as something I, I thought was fun. Uh, in my free time, I was mostly drawing and sketching things, doodling, uh, never really got into painting, uh, until recently, about two years ago, uh, just, it requires more materials, tools, just kind of, uh, uh, has a higher barrier to entry than drawing. Um, but yeah, I started with watercolors about two years ago. And at the time I, I was getting into, it's kind of strange, but I was getting into to birding and I was drawing birds and different types of birds. But the coloration is so important for that and for kind of species identification that I needed to figure out a way to add color that wasn't just I was using black pens. And so uh, I tried with pastels and it it didn't work at all. And then uh, my girlfriend suggested watercolors. She had done some watercolor painting. So I I bought a really basic watercolor kit at an art store, started playing around with it, Uh, really loved it. and, And yeah, I've been doing watercolors since then. Um, but yeah, I'm not a, I don't do it professionally. I I don't make a living off of painting. I I do it in my free time. Uh, I work at a nonprofit, uh, in kind of worker advocacy and and labor rights. So you're, you, uh, obviously have sort of, uh, uh, creative collection of different interests and things like that. And they all kind of came together this way. Um, and I think it's also fascinating to hear. I mean, obviously you, you have, a skill and it's, um, come from a creative family. Um, but I do think it's, it's kind of cool for people to hear that, you know, you kind of picked up something at an art store and sort of went with it. I mean, you had a little bit of a background in it, but that, uh, it's, you know, it's something that people are interested in this, that they should maybe try their hand. I mean, that's kind of one of the takeaways I hope that people hear from this is that, you know, that if, if you, if you enjoy this and you enjoy seeing things, perhaps there's a, a fun way to document them. Um, beyond just sort of the more formal preservation side of this. So, you know, for those who don't know, though, like we're going to really dive into this, you paint and post bus stop paintings on Instagram of historic buildings and businesses in Chicago. So where do you jump from from birds to buildings? How does that happen? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, So I was living in Denver at the time, actually, 
And um, I think I was influenced again by, by Chicago in that uh, we have a lot of pride in kind of our architecture and our buildings. Um, you know, it's, it's the city's known for its downtown architecture, skyscrapers, but there are a lot of people who, you know, do amazing work kind of photographing, drawing, cataloging uh, all these beautiful buildings and in the neighborhoods outside of outside of the downtown. Um, and so I was in Denver and I think I was kind of influenced by that to try to kind of imitate that. Um, I didn't have a car the first uh, three and a half years that I was in Denver. And so I was taking the bus a lot, uh, walking a lot. And Denver has a lot of beautiful buildings, a lot of uh, really cool stores and shops. And uh, I would just start photographing them as I was walking around or, you know, there's also really beautiful kind of afternoon light in Denver. And so I love the way the, the kind of during the golden hour shadows are cast on some of these businesses. And so I was trying to document that. Um, I'm also not, I'm not a great photographer. And so, and I was using my, my phone to take photos. And so I kind of had all these photos on my phone and as I was drawing birds, I thought, well, I'll try, I'll try drawing some of the buildings I've photographed. Um, and yeah, like you said, it, 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 it's definitely something that you can kind of teach yourself and pick up on. Uh, it just takes a lot of time. Um, it's, it can be tedious, but you know, it's, it's a learnable skill. Um, and, and I like drawing buildings because you can use a ruler and, and take measurements and it's very geometrical. Uh, whereas you know, drawing something freehand is is a lot more difficult or, or challenging. Um, so yeah, I started with just painting shops that I thought were interesting first in Denver. Um, I was doing like liquor stores and corner stores, uh, fireworks stores, clothing, things like that. Um, often buildings that were a little bit older, um, kind of represented a, a style that's maybe going out of out of fashion or isn't really seen as much anymore. Um, Why do you think that those appealed to you in particular? I mean, cause I think like you said, a lot of people paint the, like the grandiose and you know, the big fancy things you're painting liquor stores and, and bus shelters and stuff like that, which I think are fascinating. And they're stuff that people overlook. I mean, sort of like when you look back to the 19th century, a lot of what we have left is the really nice stuff. Um, but the mundane is, is no longer with us. And so it's critically important to document it, but why did that, I'm curious why that spoke to you over the others or were you, those just the places that you were inhabiting because you didn't have a car at that point? <laughs> uh, I think a bit of both. I, I think um, I really love hand-painted signs and hand-painted images on stores. Um, I think also I was, I was living in, and working in uh, immigrant neighborhoods with lots of Mexican immigrants. And so many of the shops have, uh, yeah, hand-painted uh, drawings on them of whether it's like a butcher shop, there'll be like drawings of the cuts of meat or, you know, the produce in the store. And so I kind of really like that style of art, um, that kind of attention to detail and tenderness and yeah, just aesthetic and kind of beauty, which you don't see in a more corporate chain or kind of, uh, in a larger business. Um, and it's it also seems to be kind of a style that's slightly disappearing or, or uh, you don't see as much anymore. Yeah, it reminds me of like when you remember as like a kid growing growing up going to grocery stores where they had the 
hand-drawn like uh like the the prices on things yes yeah um, and there was like a style associated with that with the marker that they used and everything like that and you know now you see pictures of it and you're like wow I guess I just realized I haven't seen one of those in a very, very long time, unless it is a little corner store or something like that where they're still doing it by hand. But as you say, you know, if you go to a, uh, I don't know what the big chains are out there, but a Giant or a Martin's here in, in Maryland or a Wegmans, um, you don't see that at all. And there is something missing there, isn't there? Yeah. And I think that's also a great example of kind of uh, this artistic skill or kind of, yeah, yeah, basically that an artistic skill that isn't celebrated or recognized often, but uh, it's kind of a working class uh, aesthetic and, and uh, expression there that uh, you miss out when, you know, you're talking about like a, yeah, a Kroger or a Wegmans, for example. Yeah. So you, so you, so you move back home and you start painting things at home and painting these bus stops. And then how does it jump to Instagram and what has the response been? Yeah, so um, I was st I started posting stuff online when I was in in Denver, um, and then I left Denver and lived in West Texas for a little bit, uh, and then moved back to Chicago. And I think uh, there there was uh, people were just really kind and and uh, complimentary. I, I was really appreciative of that and kind of surprised. Uh, I think when people see places they recognize that that maybe aren't often celebrated or kind of uh, appreciated, uh, they're touched or, or they just, you know, they feel seen or they feel recognized a little bit. Um, and especially with paintings I've done of, of Chicago, uh, there I think there's just kind of a civic uh, pride or kind of uh, a culture of, a, of, of appreciation of buildings. So I think the reception has been pretty, um, really positive and, and, and yeah, very warm. Um, so I'm really thankful about that. Um, it's interesting. It, it depends on the buildings, but there's always, uh, you know, people have memories or stories related to those shops. Um, some of the the places I've done have been in Chicago, especially have been are kind of like iconic uh, stores. So one is a Westernware store uh, that just tons of people have been to and like and and you know, we're commenting with stories and, and recollections under it. Uh, I also did a, this great Polish restaurant and, you know, a lot of people have stories there. Someone told me they had gone on their second date with their future husband at that, at that restaurant. And so there's kind of this built-in nostalgia and appreciation for those places. Um, but then some of the other ones, uh, you know, are, are much less known. I did a, a painting of a rock shop in a, a town called Sierra Blanca in, in Texas. And so, somehow somebody from Sierra Blanca saw it and, you know, sent this really nice message about how excited they were to kind of see this appreciation or kind of recognition of this tiny, tiny shop in this tiny town. Um, and yeah, I, th I think I think it's just nice when people feel like uh, something that they love or, or that they care for, uh, when they see that someone else has also recognized the, the beauty in that, in that spot. Have you started receiving requests? Yeah, I've, I've, uh, people will ask for commissions. Sometimes I've, I've done a couple, but I, I'm not currently doing any. Um, it's, it's hard to do commissions often. I'm really picky about the photos that I work off of. 
Uh, and I'm, I'm a bit picky about the type of building I paint. Uh, and so I, I haven't been doing any commissions. I wish I could do more. Um, but yeah, I just don't have time to, to do, to do that many. So why don't we take a quick break here, come back, talk about the process, how long the paintings take, uh, you know, how you, how you do it, um, and, um, the mediums that you're working in and what you might work in in the future. And, um, talk all about that when we come back here on PreserveCast. Historic preservation can't happen without skilled tradespeople to perform the work. And there's a critical need right now for those tradespeople. The Campaign for Historic Trades, powered by Preservation Maryland, is working to meet that need by strengthening apprenticeship opportunities within historic trades. In partnership with the National Park Service's Historic Preservation Training Center and Conservation Legacy, the campaign is currently recruiting for NPS Traditional Trades Apprenticeship Program, or TTAP. TTAP is an intensive 20-week apprenticeship that provides young adults the chance to learn historic trade skills while working on America's most iconic historic sites. Multiple positions are open for the 2022 season at national parks across the country. Visit historictrades.org for more information on TTAP and how to apply today. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast today. We're still talking uh, with Diego, we're all in on um, the, the the paintings of these um, sort of vernacular places that that tell important stories, um, both in Colorado and Texas, and and of course in Chicago. Um, so I think people would be kind of interested in the in the process. I mean, some people are you know very familiar with art. Some people aren't really as familiar with the process. So you kind of referenced a couple of times that you, you know, do some of it off of pictures and stuff like that. Do you ever do plain air? Do you ever do stuff in the field? Is it always at home? Is it always watercolor? Um, you know, are you dabbling with different mediums? Um, how, do, how does this all kind of come together? Talk us through, uh, you know, maybe one example of a building and how you do the, do the work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I always work work off of a, a photograph. Um, I do a lot of my painting uh, like in the morning before work, uh, in the evening. And so, yeah, I, I kind of do it in small small bits and pieces. And so it's it's kind of necessary that it's just at home and and whenever I can I can get a little bit of time to work on it. Um, and also, it's just easier off of a photograph. You can kind of measure out distances to make sure ratios and, and angles are right on buildings. And so, um, yeah, I always work off of a photograph. And do you always take the photographs? Usually. Yeah. Almost always. Um, and that can take a lot of time or a lot of work. I, I often will notice a building that I think is, is pretty interesting or, you know, something that I'd, I'd want to paint and I'll often take a photo of it at the time. Uh, but usually the lighting isn't right or, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's often not the right time of day. And so I try to go back to the building when I think, you know, the sun is going to be shining on it when I think the shadows will be, uh, kind of good or not covering up some of the important, uh, facets of the building. Uh, and that can be a, a pretty long process. There's a, there's a little liquor store by my house that I really want to paint. Uh, and I, it, it's location just means that all these different shadows fall on it and kind of make it hard to, to get a good photo. 
And so I've been back like six or seven times at different times of day trying to get the perfect, perfect photo. Um, I still haven't succeeded. Um, but once I do have one that I like, uh, I, yeah, I always work in, in watercolor, but I start with a, a pencil drawing of it. Uh, and then I'll go over that in pen, uh, erase the, all the pencil and then start filling in watercolor. Um, at that point, it's almost kind of like a paint by numbers situation where you're just trying to fill in each block with, with the color you want. And then often I'll go back over it in pen. Um, I've only worked in watercolor and, and I've thought about trying other mediums. Um, but for now I'm, I'm still on, on watercolor. What other mediums would you want to work in? Like oil? Yeah, I've thought about trying to use oil um, or gouache. The watercolor is, I, I mean, it's great, but it's hard to do things in white. You're basically, if you want something white, you're just not painting on it. And so white lettering, for example, can be really hard to do. Um, white highlights can be tricky. Uh, and so something like oil or gouache, where you, which is more opaque, you can add bright highlights after previously having put down a darker base. Whereas watercolor, you can't add, you can't lighten something very well after you've put it down already. So, you know, for people who are listening, who are interested in, in either doing this themselves or perhaps they're a preservationist or they work with an organization and they're interested in engaging with the art community and trying to use art to save places, do you think that your work is having an impact in that way? Do you select properties that you're like, I wish we could preserve this, or I wish at least people will remember this? How do you think art and preservation work together? And and do you feel like there's any success or or potential there? Yeah, I I definitely think there is a connection. I don't know if, if my paintings have been uh, really have made that connection. Um, I think maybe generally just increasing an appreciation for buildings and, and styles of buildings uh, is good, but I would think kind of preserving a building requires kind of yeah community organization, political organization, uh, and, and yeah, that type of coordination to really affect change. Um, I think my paintings are mostly just kind of a snapshot of what's there. Uh, like you mentioned, a, a lot of businesses there, even if the building itself isn't ephemeral, which it can be, it can be torn down, but often, you know, if you have a great hand painted sign or beautiful colors on a building, it's really easy for that to, just to be painted over and disappear. Um, and so they're very kind of, I think the, a lot of the businesses I'm, I'm painting are kind of these transitory snapshots of, of what is in that moment. And, and often I've gone back past buildings I've painted previously and they're, you know, have been sold and painted all white or they're being prepped for, you know, a new tenant or like a, a Chipotle or something like that, which kind of lacks that, that, uh, that character or that, that, uh, yeah, that beauty. Um, and so, yeah, I'd, I'd love to be a little more connected and, and kind of play a role in some of that, uh, preservation. Um, but I don't think I've done too much of that so far. Yeah. I was going to ask if you, if you had engaged with any preservation groups, but it doesn't seem like at this point you have, even though I, I would argue that you're, you're a preservationist through and through sort of documenting these places. And I think in, in all of our own ways, we 
come at preservation from different ways. And I think that this is a really beautiful one. Um, if people are interested, well, I guess maybe the next question is what's next? How many more do you just keep doing it? Or do you have other types of resources? And um, have you done a show? Can people buy these? Talk to us just a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, in terms of what next, I, I'm still doing these paintings. I have, uh, yeah, a couple more I want to do. I mentioned that that liquor store near me that is kind of my my white whale. I'm trying to figure out how to get that. Um, and I'm also working on a, a painting of a, a a drink wholesale like warehouse in in Mexico on the border. Um, and but other than that, I think I'll just I'll just keep painting for now. I've never done a show. Um, I do have a small online store if you're interested in, in buying, uh, prints of my paintings. Um, it's, uh, bus.paintings.com. And I, I post all of my paintings on Instagram at, at bus.paintings. And so, um, yeah, nothing, nothing big in the works, just more of the same. And I, one idea I've had is trying to create kind of more 3d, uh, representations of some of these of these buildings. You know, I usually paint just the front or just one side of the building. Uh, and I think it'd be fun to do kind of uh, a more three-dimensional painting all the different sides of the building uh, and possibly like trying to put it together like like a model. Um, but that's, that's yeah, a future project. That sounds super cool. Well, um, the holidays are coming and it's a great, uh, be a great gift to get, get, get a loved one, a picture of a bus stop. Um, and, uh, before we go, we ask everyone if they have a his favorite historic place or site. Um, yeah, that's a, a good question. Um, when I was living in in Texas, I was living in Marfa, Texas, in, in the west uh, part of the state. And I got into some of the local archaeology and history. And there is a site uh, a few hours away from there, but right along the border uh, along the Pecos River, where it where it meets with the Rio Grande, and it's a cave painting uh, called the White Shaman Mural. It's about two thousand years old. Uh, it's in the middle of, of the desert. It's extremely remote, really kind of an inhospitable area. Um, but the the Woody Museum, which is in San Antonio, they do uh, tours there, so you can show up and and hike down this kind of canyon with them. And uh, yeah, it's called the White Shaman Mural, and it's just this beautiful, uh, you know, painting uh, on this kind of inner cliff face that's that's been protected uh, from the elements, and it's uh, yeah, it's a, just kind of a really powerful spot and and image, uh, and yeah, it's just kind of coursing with with history and meaning, and uh, yeah, really a really beautiful place. Well, that's a that's a great answer. I think that's our first cave painting referenced on PreserveCast and 300 plus episodes or so. But that was uh, appreciated and been really interesting to kind of dive deep with you on on how you've put this together. And I think there's a lot of lessons here for people who are interested in in sort of artistically um, interpreting and, and documenting places that matter, whether they be the grand or the vernacular and the and the common um and uh, looking forward to seeing what's next for you we'll have uh, links in the show notes for people if they want to jump on instagram and take a look uh, at diego's work and also uh, if they're interested in uh, purchasing something so thanks so much for joining us today yeah thank you i appreciate it 
Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's story, head over to PreserveCast.org for show notes and our collection of previous episodes. Don't forget to engage with this podcast by subscribing, commenting, and leaving a review. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PreserveCast for even more. PreserveCast is currently recorded in Walkersville, Maryland, and sponsored by the 1772 Foundation and powered by Preservation Maryland. Thanks for listening and keep on preserving.